Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wardens of Westeros podcast. I'm your host today, Bauer. Matt has the day off, but we will be back tomorrow covering our recap for Season 6, Episode 2, titled Home, and we are very eager to see that. So, without further ado, let's get started. Uh, Matt just informed me a couple hours ago that we actually have a sponsor for this episode, so that's why we're bringing you this bonus content on Sunday. Today's sponsor is Sansa Stark's Lemon Cakes, the only product more bland than Tom and Baratheon. But let's get right down into it. Uh, One of our listeners from this past week had a request, so big shout out to Victoria for contacting me. She really enjoyed uh, both shows that came out last week. And while I picked the topic for this show, she requested more content, so you got it. Uh, Let us know what you think. Uh, This episode is going to dive more into the character called Quaith, who we have seen both in the books and the shows. So careful, everybody. I know some some of our listeners probably know more uh, spoilery type stuff or have read more theories and fan theories and things like that. So just be careful for any spoilers for anything uh, that has currently happened through the show. Uh, that season six and episode two will be tonight. I'm we're doing the show on a Sunday, um, and then everything through a Dance with Dragons and the preview chapters for Winds of Winter. So I'll do my best to differentiate between book material, show material, and maybe even highlight some of those differences. The reason I want to talk to you all about Quaith today is a continuation on the last segment I did about Shiera Sea Star and some theories between her, uh, the Blood Raven, and the Lady Melisandre. So, I want to talk about Quaith because I think there are some interesting parallels uh, between Quaith, Shiera Seastar, and even a prophecy that Quaith tells Danny um, in the book. So, as we all have seen, if you're a show watcher, uh, we saw we first met Quaith in Season 2 in Karth, and we actually see her uh, pretty early on, you know, in terms of the series, pretty early on. And we see her at the reception they're having that the 13, the ruling group of Karth, is holding for Daenerys. So Quaith comes upon Jorah and, you know, makes some comment. And he's like, do I know you? And she's like, you're Jorah Mormont of Bear Island. And, you know, he's immediately freaked out and is like, well, who are you? But anyway, that was an initial meeting. And it definitely uh, piqued Jorah's curiosity, to say the least. Um... In the books, we meet her somewhat similarly. It is tied to Karth, but Daenerys actually meets Quaith before she gets to the city. Um, but both in both in the show and in the book, there seems to be this kind of triumvirate in that we see three characters from Karth really kind of uh, insert themselves into Daenerys' story, those being Pyat Pri. Uh, from the House of the Undying. He's the warlock guy that could absolutely audition to be in a Welch's grape juice commercial because he's got so much purple on his lips. And then everybody's favorite Carthian being Zaro Zarondaxos. And that guy, I mean, come on, right? Uh, anyway, those two are prom- you know, prominent in the episode and in the books, but there's also kind of a Quaith thing into that. So a little bit more about Quaith. What we know about her, she is also a Shadowbinder, like Melisandre. We believe she's from a Shy. She wears this... In the book, it's like a wooden kind of mask thing. We, uh, it, I guess I would expect it to cover almost her entire like face, head, except eyes, and maybe a mouth hole. 
But Quaithe in the show, as we saw, is wearing this very uh, elaborate and ornate mask that has some similarities to Melisandre's necklace. It's the same geometric shape. Um, but the things that we notice about Quaithe in the show is that she has dark hair, dark eyes, and olive complexion. Now, if you're already asking yourself, Bauer, this doesn't make sense. If you're trying to compare Quaithe to Sierra Seastar, what are you talking about? Let me get there. We'll get there. I promise. Stay with me. So, Quaithe in the show and in the books wears this mask. So, we don't know why, though. She continues to elude us in that sense. But we would assume there is obviously a reason. She knows far more than the characters she's interacting with realizes. And she speaks in these platitudes and basically tries to convey in an arrogant way that she knows more than everybody else. Now, in the books, we see Quaith and Danny interact far more than in the show. And she tells her a couple of very interesting things that really seem to parallel themselves to Daenerys' storyline and her where, where she's going. So Quaith tells her, To go north, you must journey south. To reach the west, you must go east. To go forward, you must go back. And to touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. So, you know, this is a very, very fancy, lofty statement. And she's telling Daenerys, though, that, you know, the path you're taking is going to lead you to places you had probably never anticipated. But it's also a little counterintuitive. I know some of you will share in my chagrin with George's handling of Daenerys. I really like George. I think he's done a phenomenal job, but I really, and I'm going to borrow one of Matt's terms here, he's written himself into a hole, and I don't know if he's going to be able to get himself out. He probably can in two books' time, but I'm very interested to see how the show handles this. But going back to the prophecy, you know, Daenerys this whole time, what is her goal? To get the Iron Throne. We've known this from day one. Ever since she, uh, you know, was married off and Viserys is no longer with us, she has continued to pursue that goal in her own right. She wants to go home, to simplify it. And basically, what the prophecy Quaith is trying to purport here is that Daenerys has to do some things that she probably, one, didn't realize and probably didn't want to do in order to achieve her end goal. Now, if you buy into this, I'm not saying I buy into it wholeheartedly, but it does have some interesting parallels. So... To go north, you have to go south. So technically, Daenerys is in the south. Yes, she's in Essos, but she is far more southern than, say, Bran, Jon, etc. To reach the west, you must go east. So if the eventual goal is for Daenerys to reach Westeros and to take the Iron Throne back for her family, she has to go east? Well, she's been east for six seasons. And does she have to go more east? We don't know. Quaithe tries to convince her in the book to go to a shy and says you need to go there. Now, one thing that's been noted is Daenerys's three dragons come from eggs that came from a shy. So maybe there is a deeper connection there. But 
For the sake of the show, I do not think we're ever going to a shy. I just want to say that. I know that that's out there. People have said it before. I did not come up with it on my own. But I do not believe we're going to a shy. I would love to, personally, because I think those easternmost cities are very, very interesting. And they're also the most disconnected, in my opinion, from the type of culture um, in Westeros, where things are a little a little different. You know, they have adapted ever since Aegon came over and consolidated the Seven Kingdoms. But anyway, Daenerys has been in the East for quite some time, and she's going further East uh, when Drogon took her off and flew to the Dothraki Sea and was found there and taken captive. So looking, looking ahead, to go forward, you must go back. And to touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. Now, there are plenty of things to link this to uh, in the story, in the books. And I think everybody is trying to decide, uh, you know, what book evidence they would like to associate with the last part of this, quote, prophecy. Um, and I'm calling it a prophecy because I feel like Quaith knows, knows more about the future than she's leading on. Um, I'm not saying she's a green seer or anything, but she definitely seems to know more than, than most. And so, if you're going to go forward, you must go back. Well, Daenerys has gone back three or four times. And I know I've talked about this before, Daenerys hitting the reset button, so to speak. But yes, she has stumbled and lost her footing more than once in terms of having an army, not having an army, getting a bigger army, losing ships. I mean, we just saw last episode, every ship in Marine just got torched. She's not going anywhere fast, and Tyrion pointed that out, um, even if she were to return. But she has continued to take these steps back, her most recent being she has been captured by the Dothraki, and she's been taken. She's being taken to Vase Dothrak to hang out with the Doge Kaleen. So she's living that one right now, too. And lastly... To touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. Now, this could be a connection to the Shadowlands. This could be a connection to general darkness um, with the long night coming. You know, you have to pass beneath the shadow in order for the, you know, to bring the dawn, which is all an elaboration of the Azor High theory and all of that. But anyway, this is a very interesting statement that Quaith says to Daenerys. Secondly, in A Dance with Dragons, she tells her the following, and then we're going we're gonna to analyze this. The glass candles are burning. Soon comes the pale mare, and after her the others. Kraken and Darkflame, Lion and Griffin, the sun's son and the mummer's dragon. Trust none of them. So there is clearly a lot going on in this statement. Number one, not a lot of people are aware, but glass candles are an old-school Valyrian uh, artifact that are made of obsidian or dragonglass, same thing. And they are believed to have some type of magical ability. The Citadel, which is where Sam is actually going right now in the show, and he's already there in the books, but where he's journeying with Gilly, they actually have four glass candles, one green and three black in color. And... It has been said that they have not burned or been lit for, you know, a couple hundred years, ever since the doom of Valyria and all that stuff went down. But basically, 
They actually use the glass candles as a test for incoming maesters, and they have them try to light the three black candles. The green candle actually sits in the Archmaester of Magic's chamber. But they use the vigil, knowing that it's impossible, to teach incoming maesters that, yes, there are things that are beyond your control and the laws of nature and man. And so it's kind of an interesting lesson there that these candles that really, quote, used to work because of magic, now do not. And they try to, you know, teach the maesters that, you know, this is a thing. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting aside. But the glass candles um, are purported to have basically been relit. There's a rumor that someone else with glass candles in the world uh, who've had them for years, they got relit and they have stayed lit since the dragons returned. You know, we also have heard many references in the show and the books that magic and things that can't be explained have returned ever since the Bleeding Star, hint, hint, and the dragons have come back into the world. So let's keep going. Soon comes the Pale Mare. Now, this one is interesting. The Pale Mare in terms of the books and the show, is another name for the, the disease and term bloody flux, which is kind of related to modern, modern times dysentery. Uh, that's how we would know it. And this particular affliction has already found itself in the ranks of the troops that are fighting for Daenerys in Marine. They've already been afflicted with it. Um, but going, going further... Quaith says the rest of these individuals are coming and you should not trust them. The Kraken, in this instance, refers to a member of House Greyjoy, Victarion. Now, the books cover Victarion and Euron. The show will only cover Euron, but I expect him to probably inhabit some of Victarion's storyline. I'm not sure how that's going to go yet because we really don't have too, too much information on that and I'm not going to speculate. So we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. Okay, now before we get any further, just another quick plug here that there are some expanded book material and some spoilery type information uh, in the next part of breaking down this statement from Quaith. So just fair warning. Uh, continuing on, the Dark Flame refers to a red priest called Morcoro, and he gets linked up with Victarion Greyjoy. Basically, Morcoro is rescued from some wreckage at sea, and Victarion and the crew save him. Uh, they originally wanted to execute him, but because he was so calm and unafraid, and he tells them that he knows about their quest to find Daenerys, they keep him alive. Now, the next part I know is going to upset some people, but Quaith refers to a lion in the next part of the statement, which, yes, refers to Tyrion Lannister. Now, in terms of the show, he's already over there, and he's already met Daenerys. In the books, they're still messing around with mercenary companies and swords and trying to figure out how to win this battle in Marine. But anyway, the lion refers directly to Tyrion Lannister. Then it goes on and says, and Griffin. The Griffin, and careful for book spoilers here, refers to John Connington, who has a you know pretty expanded story. He's, he was originally from Westeros, and he gets linked up with uh, young Griff, who some people believe to be Rhaegar's son, Aegon. Now, that is a storyline that the show has currently not 
put any stock into and we have not seen it. Don't know if we will see it. I highly doubt it, but I just wanted to say that. Next is the Sun's Son and the Mummer's Dragon. The Sun's Son refers to Quentin Martell, who is the son of Doran Martell, who just met his demise in the show. Um, in the books, he's currently um, in Marine, and I expect Tyrion to actually take some of his actions uh, because he is currently not in the show. And then the Mummer's Dragon uh, refers to two people here, the Mummer being Lord Varys and the Dragon being Rhaegar's son Aegon, who was supposedly killed by Gregor Clegane, the Mountain. So there's a lot going on there. A lot of characters mentioned, and Quaithe says at the end, trust none of them. So we really don't know where this is going other than all of these people have been pre-identified in the story. So I just wanted to take a little bit and explore that and also expound upon what we currently know in terms of who Quaithe is referring to and how it could ultimately play into Daenerys' final storyline. Now, with all of that being said, I will go into the final portion of this very special bonus segment about how Quaithe has some similarities and could possibly be Shiera Seastar. Now, there are a lot of doubters out there. I personally am kind of still one of them because a lot of this is very happenstance, but it all technically could be explained. So here we go. A couple of reasons and rationale for why Quaithe could possibly be Shiera Seastar. Quaithe can glamour. She's a red priest. She can shadow bind. We know she has some, you know, supernatural abilities. So it is technically possible that she could be wearing a glamour, number one. But think about a, an easier explanation. She could dye her hair. Now, from what we know about glamouring, it has been suggested that in order to successfully glamour, you have to have something to model yourself off of. I mean, this could be anything. They never tell you if it has to be your previous self, if you could model it after someone else. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't really know how that's carried out. But it is entirely possible that she could just be projecting a younger version of herself and dyeing her hair to throw people off. Now, the mask could come into play because, heck, people may recognize her. Shiera was always mentioned as a great beauty. I can just hear Cersei saying it now when she was talking to Sansa. You're just a great beauty. But anyway, Shiera was always fought over by knights, regular men, whoever, just to get the honor of sitting next to her, being in her presence, etc. So it is, it is entirely possible that maybe somebody could recognize her. Um, now, you are talking about, you know, she's, if it is her, she's however many years old, but she's wearing the glamour to appear a certain way. Um, I, I recognize that that's all a little coincidental, but it's part of the theory that she could possibly, uh, you know, be Shiera Sea Star, and this is how she's pulling it off. But another parallel, and this one kind of goes deeper into the the series overall, is that the parallel to Brendan Rivers here, and the possibility that Shiera and Brendan had a child. So as we know. Brendan Rivers, a.k.a. the Three-Eyed Crow slash Raven, that's different between the books and the shows. I know some people have asked about that. It is, it is basically now used interchangeably, but 
to be fair, George calls him the three-eyed crow in the books, and the show calls him the three-eyed raven. Um, But anyway, Brendan Rivers, who's helping out Bran right now, he is being viewed as the kind of guide in the North and the events that are happening up there. And Quaith could kind of be seen to be the guide in the, quote, South. And that is another interesting connection because Quaith really goes out of her way to seek out Daenerys and to let her know these things. Um, Daenerys doesn't really trust her and she doesn't really know what to think. So anyway, that's another interesting little parallel. Brendan in the north, Shiera maybe slash Quaith in the south, uh, but just something to think about. And lastly, the sea star part of the th- of this theory is that Quaith could furthermore be Shiera Sea Star because Quaith is Danny's guide, and there's some references and imagery to stars when Quaith appears to Danny in this last vision. Um, after relaying that last prophecy to her, Daenerys is, you know, kind of like, you know, where are you, Quaith? And Quaith says, Remember who you are, Daenerys. The stars whispered in a woman's voice. The dragons know. Do you? And so the other parallel here is that the Sea Star and North Star are one and the same, and they have been used for, you know, centuries to help people, sailors, etc., who travel the seas to know which, which way they are going. And so that's the last bit of evidence that is conveyed that Quaith could possibly be Shiera. And, you know, wrap that up nicely with a little bow. So with all of that being said, this is the Quaith Shiera Sea Star theory, but also some parallels to prophecies that appear in the books uh, that occur with Daenerys' storyline and possibly where her journey is going and could possibly end. But that's enough for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I really tried to pick something that was of interest but also had some relevance with the last episode and kind of where we're going. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, we've got an episode tonight. So Matt and I will be recording tomorrow, and we'll get that posted as soon as we can, but be sure to look for that. Also, if you have any feedback, comments, or questions, uh, you can find us on Twitter, at District Dogma. You can find us on SoundCloud, uh, if that's not where you found this already. And, you know, we'll have all the other stuff. Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, you name it, we're out there. So thanks, everybody, again, and we'll see you next time. As we always say here at Wardens of Westeros, the night is dark and full of terrors.